Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Well, good evening, everybody. Merry Christmas to y'all. Are y'all enjoying yourselves tonight? Well, good. My name is Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to thank you all for being here with us tonight. It is our Christmas services tonight, and I don't know about you, but I love Christmas. Anybody else out there love Christmas? All right. Now, I, I don't know how, how hardcore you are, but I'm the kind of guy who likes the Christmas music to start in like November, the very beginning of November. Anybody else out there? Like we could have Christmas songs starting in November. See, I'm also the guy who like, I don't, I don't mind Christmas music all year long. In fact, I will tolerate your intolerance of it for the rest of the year and just start at November. But I, I really do love Christmas music. I love Christmas lights. I love the Christmas traditions, the decorations, all of it. I just love Christmas. In fact, I really, really love this performance here tonight. Can we give it up one more time for our dancers and our production team? They're just uh, really incredible. I was... Uh, I was moved both services. It's just uh, uh, really powerful. So uh, anyway, so I, I love all things Christmas. And, and growing up in my house, at the DeLong house, you know, we, we had lots of traditions. Uh, some of them were, were all had everything to do with the decorations. In fact, uh, as a kid, I made uh, ornaments and decorations for the tree that uh, when I started my own little family, my mom said, here, take a pick of some of the things that you created for our family so that you can carry them down. And so some of those things that I made as a kid for my family are hanging on my own tree. And, uh, and so I just love that kind of stuff. And one of the things that was very commonly found around my house was, uh, was this right here. This is actually called a nativity scene. And uh, this is something that you would find uh, maybe, maybe not so much like in a big, big uh, caricatures like this. We, we probably had smaller ones, but whether it appeared in, in pieces that you could move like this or set up, or, or maybe it was a very small nativity scene that was the size of an ornament that hung on the tree, we, we always had one. And, um, and, and if you're unfamiliar with what this is, this is really just a picture of what Christmas looked like for, for the night that Jesus was born. And, uh, and, I, and I think it's a really important picture. So let me kind of walk you through what this is. Um, first, at the center, uh, this small little guy right here, and this little baby Jesus, and you have to say it like that, little baby Jesus, right? And, uh, and, he, and he sits right here at the center. And, and, and then we have uh, Mary and Joseph. This is his mother and, and his earthly father, Joseph. And then uh, one of the guys that was in the picture, this, is, this guy was uh, one of our shepherds, and I always thought it was interesting, and I, I kind of love this, that the shepherds were included in this picture of Christmas, because you know, the shepherds were not somebody that the religious elite of the day, the pastors, would have called on uh, to celebrate the birth of the Messiah. In fact, they were, would have been the last choices, because the shepherds were somebody, people that were considered unclean. Around that time, everything was about of being able to get into the temple. And if you were unclean, you couldn't worship. You couldn't go there and, and, and make sacrifices. You just couldn't be part of it. You were considered unclean. And those that fellowshiped with you, even just touched you, they were considered unclean as well. So they would almost have been seen as outcasts. And so, uh, and they, these weren't even, just, just to take note, by the way, 
the angels appeared to these shepherds, and it wasn't even the day shift shepherds, y'all. It was the night shift, the third shift shepherds, you know? Like, they weren't even good enough to, like, lead and feed the sheep during the day. All they could do was watch them at night while they slept, right? And so, like, this is the lowest level shepherd, and, uh, and the angels appeared to them and said, hey, unto us this day, the, the baby is, is born. He's, he's Christ. He's the Messiah. And so they went, and they bowed down and, and worshiped uh, Jesus. And then there's these three guys that are in, in most nativity pictures, and the, these three guys are considered the, the wise men, or, or the, we three kings of Orient are, or the, the, the magi, other traditions call them. And, and, and we really don't know that there was just three of them. What we do know is that there was three gifts, and uh, they, they came and they brought gifts to Jesus, and the, those gifts were uh, gold, frankincense, but wait, there's myrrh. See, what I did there was a play on words. Instead of, but wait, there's more, I said myrrh, which is the third gift. See, this side laughed a little more than this one did. I thought I needed to explain it over here. So anyway, uh, so, so they brought three gifts. And, and, and here's the thing. I, I hate to burst your little Christmas bubbles here, but it's not, uh, we, we don't believe that they actually showed up on the night that Jesus was born. Uh, it is said that they, they actually showed up historically two years later and uh, uh, and then gave these gifts, and um, they were very wealthy, and, and frankincense and myrrh, these are spices and perfumes that were very expensive that could have been sold for a lot of money, and, and, uh, and Mary certainly would have used that. And so anyway, and so uh, they're in the picture, and then of course we have the animals that are in the picture, because here's what's happened. Uh, Joseph and Mary lived in Nazareth, uh, but they were called to go back to Bethlehem, because Caesar had declared a, a, a census and so everybody had to return home to the, the, their, their home of their origin or where their family was. And so Joseph and Mary are headed back. Mary's very, very pregnant. And, uh, and so they, they come back to, uh, to Bethlehem. And of course, they couldn't book an Airbnb in advance or schedule a room online. Uh, they, they had to just kind of show up and there was no room for them. There was no lodging to be found. But one guy said, well, I've got a barn out back with the animals. And so Mary and Joseph went to the barn. And this is where Mary, who was very pregnant, gave birth to Jesus. That's why he's lying in a manger, which is just, I mean, that's an, that's an animal trough, right? So, so, so that's where, well, maybe Jesus is laying, right? Okay, so he's, uh, so he's sitting there. And, and this is what we, what we call the nativity scene. Now, this scene right here is, is, is super important. It's, it's important for lots of reasons. In fact, it, this has appeared for years it started out, we tr trace it back through history to the year 1223, where, where St. Francis of Assisi is credited as being the very first person to create little models like this and set this up. And uh, from, from that point on, it's appeared on Christmas cards, it's appeared you know, on, on, in portraits on the wall, and then, of course, uh, there, there's plenty of, of, of like setups like this. They even do like live reenactments of this. I was part of one when I was a little kid. I was one of the wise men, and I, and I said, here's your frankincense. And that was like my only line in the whole thing, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, so anyway, so, so, so they have these reenactments, and then and in some places, in some cities, it used to be that the nativities would appear in the center of town. And I don't know about you or, or if you've been around Columbus long enough, but I'm 40 years old, and when I was a little kid, they used to have this place called City Center Mall, and Lazarus was attached to that, and they had this talking tree that told Christmas stories, and they used to put the nativity on display, and lots of Christmas lights and awesomeness. Anybody ever remember that? Okay, there's a few that have been around here for a while, and, and they just don't do that anymore. Now, this message isn't really about why they don't do that anymore, the political agendas that have pushed out these kind of things from the center of our cities. 
although it's probably worth talking about at some point in time. It's not what I'm talking about today. In the city of Reynoldsburg, though, if you drive through downtown, right there at Cotner's Funeral Home, you will find a nativity on display. And I love that. Now, listen, I'm not here to bag on you if there's not one of these set up in your house. This is not about that. I'm not worried about how this is set up there or if you even have one set up. No, I'm more concerned about how this is set up in your heart. Because this, this nativity is actually a picture of our lives. Because, see, all of our lives, just like the nativity, are focused on something. They're all looking in one direction. They all have their attention on one thing. And our lives are the same. Our lives revolve around something, something that we can draw strength from, something where we can place our hope. And in this picture, they're all focused on Jesus because rightly so, they should absolutely do that. His, their focus should be on him. But for us, we know that Jesus belongs at the center, but a lot of us, that's not what our picture looks like. For a lot of us, Jesus is in the picture, but he's just not at the center. He's just part of the picture. And when Jesus is not at the center, what happens is, is that other things, we get, we get tempted to allow other things to take that place. And so let, let's look at that for just a second. It, it, the result of what, when other things take that place is that our lives don't work like they should. They don't look the way they should. And, and it's simply because they're set up wrong. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, one of the things that might take the place of Jesus at the center is the shepherd. Now, the shepherd just represents our careers. Now, this might make sense to you, and it's probably the one that makes the most sense, and why it should be, what not, why it could be the focus of our lives. Because if you consider it, we spend eight to five at our jobs, right? That's the most time during our lives and out of our day. We spend there. And because we spend the most time there, we tend to give the best of ourselves there, not the best of ourselves to our families or anywhere else. We, we tend to give the best on the job. As a result of that, we, we construct our social circles around our workplace, and we tend to focus our lives here. Now, the problem is when things start going wrong in our lives, when things stop being held together, we start relying on our careers, and the thing is, is those things were never meant to bring strength to our lives. Those, those things were never meant to help us to hold it all together. And so Jesus is in the picture, but it's just not set up right. And if it's not careers, then it's possibly one of these guys. Maybe it's, it's one of the magi. And, and, and this makes sense, right? You know, there's, they've got, they're clearly adorned well and dressed well. And, and I mean, they're wearing crowns, y'all. I mean, they've got gold, so they're wealthy. Like this, this makes sense. And these guys represent wealth, they represent fame, success, education. They, they represent uh, um, your dreams. And, and so this makes sense, especially within the, the American mindset, right? The, the American dream is, is to pursue happiness and pursue our dreams. And so this makes sense for a lot of us. And we do pursue those things. Whether we're willing to admit it or not or say outright, this is what my life is focused on, we ultimately believe that we must obtain these things. And so we focus there. And when things don't go well in our lives, when they don't turn out the way that we thought they were, we start to wonder why. I mean, Jesus is in the picture, but it's just not set up right. In fact, here's the problem with this. Because this is one of the greatest temptations for us, a lot of people focus here. And those that have obtained fame, those that have obtained success and wealth, if you talk to them, they'll tell you that once they obtain those things, they discovered that what they thought they were going to get wasn't there. 
The hope wasn't there. The joy wasn't there. The peace wasn't there. It's because this was never set up to sustain our lives. It was never meant to be the end-all, be-all for us. In fact, the Bible says that our number one temptation to place at the center of our life is wealth, that we look for financial security, but there is no such thing as financial security. So we can't place our hope here. Jesus is in the picture again, but it's once again not set up right. Well, maybe, maybe it's not the wise men that are at the center. Maybe for you, it's Mary and Joseph. And this probably makes sense again, because this represents your relationships. It represents your marriage, it represents your kids, it represents your family. I mean, even to say this, like, family first, that makes sense, right? And you go, that's what a godly man and woman sounds like. They say family first. But that's, that's actually not right. It should be Jesus first, and then your marriage, right? Or then your relationships. Jesus should be at the center. But when things are set up this way, what happens is, and, we, and you know this because it happens over and over again to you, is you begin to rely on people. You place your hope on people. You place, you place your hope for them for happiness. You place that burden on them to be your strength, to be, to be that, that person that gives you happiness. And what happens? Well, people are people. They fail you. And over and over again, you find that you're hurt. And the reason is because your picture's not set up right. You've got them as the center and the focus of your lives. Jesus is here. You say, Aaron, I go to church. I own a Bible. Sometimes I even read it. I'm at a Christmas Eve service. I don't understand how things could go wrong. But if your picture looks like this, it's set up wrong. We have to stop leaning on people as the source of our hope and our happiness. Nothing wrong with you being happy in your relationships, but you should not rely on your relationships for your happiness. Hello? Jesus is in the picture. It's just set up wrong. And now let me show you the last one. You say, what else could there possibly be? Well, how about these little guys? You say, the animals? My pets? Absolutely. Some of, us, some of you, you have your, your animals at the center, your pets, your fur babies at the center of your world. You say, no, we don't. Yes, you do. I've seen your Instagram accounts. I mean, they've got their own Instagram accounts. And I can't even figure out how they take those, those cute little pictures because they don't even have opposable thumbs. You know what I'm saying? How'd they get a, an iPhone account? You know what I mean? Anyway, I took that joke too far. But uh, anyway, so um, <laughs> guys, I, you guys, you guys just stop listening about halfway through. That's all right. Are y'all all right, everybody? Is it okay to have fun in church? It's all right, isn't it? So anyway, so these, these, these pets, these fur babies, they, these not just about our pets. It's about the things that you love, right? The, the hobbies, the things that you enjoy. And I don't think God has a problem with you loving things or enjoying things. He, he's just not okay when they're at the center. So it, it's okay for you to love Chipotle and, and to love coffee and to love the Ohio State Buckeyes, OH. Yeah, it's all good. But, but they can't be at the center because when your life goes haywire, they, 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 they don't offer support for your life. It's just not meant to be set up this way. It's not okay to have Jesus in the picture and not have him at the center. And it's just not very wise to let a 19-year-old carrying a pigskin down a football determine how your day's going to go. I mean, I'll be just as bummed as the rest of you if we don't win in the Nationals. We're going to win. But I'm just saying, I'll be just as bummed. But 
We can't place our hope in them. We can't allow our happiness and our joy to be focused on them. The, the picture's got to be set up right, or else our lives simply don't make sense. Jesus belongs at the center. That's simply where he goes. Because if he's not set up that way, if our focus is off, then our lives get, get flipped. Our lives get out of control as a result. So my job here as a pastor is to help you. One of my great joys in life is to help people take their next steps. Because if this is your life, if Jesus is in the picture but he's not the center, then it's my job to show you the proper place for everything. That's what I love doing that. On Sundays when you come in here and we talk about messages, and I give my message, I talk about relationships, finances, whatever it is, it all has a proper place. And my greatest joy is to point you towards Jesus and to make sure he's at the center of your life. Because when he's at the center, that's when everything makes sense. And when he's not, that's when everything is broken. And so I would challenge you that if, you're, if your life is broken, if your life is a mess, maybe things are just not set up right. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you to the scriptures because I think it's really important that you see why this, is, this needs to be this way. And we're going to go to the, the New Testament. Your Bible is put in two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament is, is where it starts, the story starts off from when Jesus arrives on this earth. And, and we're going to look at this uh, book called Colossians. It's written by the Apostle Paul, and it's just four short chapters. In fact, if you just look at it in your Bible, it's just two pages. If you want to, if you want to read a whole book of the Bible, you can, do, you can do it in about 10 minutes. And in each one of these chapters, the second, third, and fourth ones are very, very practical. Have some very, very practical things for your life, because God's got a lot to say about your life and how you ought to live it. But, but the first chapter, if you would read it it, it, it sounds very poetical, and a lot of people would read it and just kind of gloss over it because they don't understand it. But it's really, really important that we understand it, because it helps us understand why Jesus has to be at the center of it all. So let's take a look here in Colossians chapter 1. Before you can even get into the verses, there's a header there, and it says, the supremacy of Christ. In other words, that yes, you're, there, there's some stuff here in chapter 1 that's important, and the practical stuff is to follow, but unless you get the supremacy of Christ, unless you get this right, you can't even get to the practical stuff. That if Jesus isn't the center of it all, the practical stuff just won't make any sense for your life. It, it, it just won't work. So you're, it's important that you understand the supremacy because Jesus is supreme. See, our lives have to revolve around something, just like in our solar system. All of, our, all of the planets in our solar system revolve around one thing, and that's the sun. We draw strength and energy from the sun itself. And without the sun, our solar system just it doesn't have anything to revolve around. Well, in Christianity, everything revolves around the person of Jesus. And so let's take a look here. It's Colossians 1, verse 15. It says, we look at this son, Jesus, or sorry, we look at this son, by the way, which is Jesus, and see the God who cannot be seen. The God that we serve is an invisible God, that until Jesus came along, we couldn't even see God. But here's what happened. At Christmas, God gave us an incredible gift, because his son came to this earth, and he wrapped himself in flesh and was born a baby. Being the son of God, he was also fully God. This is a great mystery, but we call it the Godhead, or you may have heard him referred to as the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
He's fully God and yet he's fully man. And this is important for you to understand because Jesus came and he lived among us. He didn't come just to die for our sins. If he had come just to die for our sins, the moment that he touched down on the earth, he was worthy to die in that moment and could have died and paid the price for all of humanity and then took off. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus came here and he lived and he lived for 33 years, long enough to relate to you and I in every way in our lives, long enough to experience loss, to experience pain, to experience uh, uh, worry, to experience uh, any kind of, of tears, laughter, joy, sorrow, all of it, to, to experience all of it, just like you and I experience. And did all that so that he could relate to us. So now we don't have a God who is far away from us. No, God came close to us through his humanity, through experiencing everything like we do. By becoming relatable, he put himself in a position so that he could be our best friend, so that he could be someone who is, could be at the center. So Jesus did all this for us, and what a gift it is that God gave us in him. The verse continues on and says, we look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything created. In other words, your football, your pets, your marriage, all of it, God created it, and all of the purpose for it flows from one place, and that is for Jesus that for all of them to make sense, we have to go back to the one who created them. Just like if, if you break something, like if you break your car, the best way to get it repaired is to go to the place that made it or take it back to the person that made it, like a watch or whatever that might be. Go back to the creator. And so for your life to make sense, you need to go back to the one who created it. You need to go back to the one who has the original manufacturer specs. Am I talking to somebody out there? All right, y'all awful quiet. I know you're listening. It's good. But if you want your life to work, you have to go back to the one who created it. Everything finds its purpose in Jesus. This verses continue on. It says, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this very moment. So let's hold our attention there. Jesus is supreme. Everything revolves around him. Everything, absolutely everything revolves around him, just like our planets revolve around our sun. Everything in this life, visible, invisible, created, revolves around him and is for him. So tonight's message is for all of you that are dressed up and smiling. Looks like some of you even took a bath to be here tonight. That's pretty awesome. But you're dressed up, you're smiling, and you look like a duck on a, on a lake. You're, you're gliding real nice and smooth on the surface, but below, your feet are paddling so hectically. Beneath your smiles and your dress up, you're, you're, you're experiencing difficulty in your life. It's not working. Things aren't, aren't looking right. And my challenge to you is, is that maybe things just aren't set up right in your life. Maybe Jesus isn't at the center after all. And if you're sitting here and you're confused, you say, but I go to church, and I read my Bible, maybe things just aren't set up right. And so I want to help you with that. I, I want to give you some steps to help you understand. And your very first step is this, and it's to invite Jesus to take his rightful place. 
In regards to that statement, you understand that it must be an invitation from you. That though Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords and has all power and authority to step into that place in your life, and the Bible says that someday he will, whether you want him to or not, at this time, at the great, great judgment, that he, he'll step on. It's, the Bible says all, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But, but at that point, it's, it's a little too late. And so at this time, Jesus is, is being a gentleman. Though he has all power and authority to do that, he's, the Bible says he stands at the door and he knocks. He's just waiting on you to open the door and invite him in. And some of you understand what that's like because Jesus has been knocking at the door of your heart for a very, very long time. So my, my question to you is, why not open the door? Why not today? Why not make that decision to let Jesus come into your life? Because if you're being honest with yourself, your way isn't working. Because if it did, your life wouldn't look the way that it looks. I understand that. You know, I grew up knowing Jesus. I grew up going to church. But somewhere in my 20s, I got offended, got angry, and I walked away from God's people and him for nearly a decade. And as a result, I started living life my own way. I wound up with an addiction. I wound up bankrupt. I wound up broken, bitter. I wound up divorced. I wound up married again for a second time, and my second marriage was in the toilet. I despaired of my very own life. Like, my friend knew that. He, he took a look at my life. He knew that I was just struggling, even wanting to be alive anymore. And he invited me to a church service. It was a special service, kind of like this one. It was an Easter service. And I went and took my family. And I wish that day that I had invited Jesus to his rightful place. It would have made things a lot better a lot sooner. But I didn't. But I kept going back. And I'm here to tell you that by the end of that year, at the end of 2010, I made a decision to invite Jesus to his rightful place. And what happened as a result was, was that everything changed within me. I didn't even recognize myself anymore. In fact, I wasn't even sure that I could know that kind of joy because Jesus was invited to his rightful place in my life. Changed everything. You say, Aaron, was your life perfect? No, my life still isn't perfect, but... What I have now is Jesus at the center, and he is an anchor for my soul. See, it's different when you walk through life with someone who's walked through what you've walked through, who understands you. And he's not just a man. He's God. And so he can carry the weight of my life. Everything's different when you invite Jesus to be at the center. And once you've done that, the second thing that you can do is to involve him in every area of my life. You know, God is not just a Sunday God. He's a seven days a week, 24 hours a day kind of God. He wants to be in, involved in every area of your life. In fact, the Bible has a lot to say. He, God's got a lot to say about every area of your life. But I absolutely understand why we've compartmentalized God to just a Sunday morning experience. Because, you know, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, we, we went to church church building didn't look like any other building that I walked into on a regular basis. It, when you went inside, it didn't look like any other building. The stained glass and the pews and, and the brown and or bright red carpets. Come on, can I get a witness, anybody? <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe bright green. I'm not sure. There was stuff on the walls that I didn't recognize. They talked different there. They acted different there. 
They dressed different there. And every other day of the week, they talked and walked very different than when they did when they were there, you know? So it's very easy to compartmentalize God to this couple hours on a Sunday. So I understand why we do it. But God desires to be part of every area of your life. And here's the thing. If you'll invite him into every area of your life, he'll change every area of your life. So invite Jesus to his rightful place. Involve God in every area of your life. And the last thing you can do is to ignite a fresh passion to know him more. That's your third step. That's up to you to make a decision to do that, to, to make a choice to do that. See, here's what I love about Christmas. Christmas happens at the end of the year, the darkest time, the darkest season. And Jesus shows up in the scene, and then a few days later, we've got a brand new year, a brand new start. That's what a new year represents for a whole lot of people. And I think that God's, the best part of God's day is giving us all a brand new start. He loves to do that. And so I think it's, that it's time for us to make a decision. We're going to make a decision to ignite a new passion to know God. Even if you've grown up in church, you've been, you've been a follower of Christ for a very long time, you know God well. We all need new passions inside of us. We make a decision to. And we're going to help you. Beginning of the year, we're going to start out with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Woo-hoo! Man, you want to learn how to pray, fast for a little bit. You feel like, dear Lord, help me through this hour right here, the first one of the first day of the 21 days. We're also going to start a brand new series called It Is Written. We're going to talk about how to study God's word and how to let that, how to know God through his word. We're going to help you do that. You can make a decision. And here's the deal. If you were, if you were to attend here on a Sunday morning, you regularly hear me challenge people. I give them a one-year challenge. So here's the challenge. Come join us. Spend a year of your life here. And here's what I promise you. If you'll give God a year of your life here, everything will change. Your relationship with God will change. Your relationship with yourself and with others will change. That's the promise that that we offer to people. Now, I don't just say that if you just attend here on a Sunday morning. The challenge is come here and do everything that we do. That means get here as many Sunday mornings as you can be here. Join grow groups. Get on our growth track. Let us help you discover your purpose. Do all that we do. And if at the end of that year, if your life hasn't changed at all, then you and I will go find another church to go to. I'll go with you because we ain't doing it here. You know what I'm saying? But you know what? As many times as I've offered that challenge and people have taken me up on it, I've not once had anybody come to me and say, nothing's changed. In fact, I had a conversation with somebody a couple weeks ago. They were celebrating their year anniversary of taking the challenge, and they said, Aaron, with tears, I had never knew I could have a relationship with God. I never knew that I could make a difference in people's lives. And I want to tell you, if you involve God in every area of your life, he'll change your life. If you'll make a decision to ignite a fresh passion to know God in your life, he'll begin moving in your life. Because here's what I believe. Unless Jesus is at the center of your life, nothing is ever going to make sense anyway. Let's pray. Tonight, if you're here and you need to make Jesus the center of your life and you say, Aaron, he's not currently there, I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. And uh, if you'll just repeat the words after me, this is, this is what begins that journey. Now, there's nothing magical about these words. What's really important is your heart and believing that the words you're saying are true.
And so I'm going to ask you, if you're here tonight and, you're, and that's you and you're ready to make Jesus center of your life, let's pray together. In fact, I'm going to ask every believer in the room to pray along so that nobody's praying alone. Let's pray out loud. Say, Jesus, Jesus. come take your rightful place. Forgive me. Make me brand new. Give me your spirit and show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father, I pray for the, all of us in this room that you would help us to see the areas of our life where you are just in the picture, where Jesus is not at the center. And I pray, God, that you would help us to boldly place him at the center, even if it's uncomfortable for us, even if it is, is something that doesn't align with what we want, Lord, if it's what you desire for us, help us follow you with faithful obedience to placing Jesus at the center. And as we do, Lord, I pray, God, that you'll show up on the scene, that you'll transform our lives, because I know, I know that doing things your way makes sense. I know that doing things your way is better. So, Lord, help us to do that. As we, as we set out to ignite a new passion in our hearts to know you, Lord, help us on that journey and be with us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Now tonight, if you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to pull out the connect card that's in the seat back in front of you and mark the place that says, I said yes to Jesus. And if you'll take that card to our Connect Center, we have people that would love to meet you, that would love to give you a Bible and help you understand your next steps in this journey. We're prepared to walk it with you. You're not meant to do it alone. So let us help you on that journey and uh, to get you connected with what God has for you. Amen, everybody? Amen. All right. Well, for the rest of our service today, we, I know that uh, there are quite a few people that are prepared to give tonight. And the reason they're prepared is we've been talking about it for a few months now. Tonight is a very special offering that we're taking up. And there's, there's several ways that you can give. They're there on the screen. You can give in person in the give box back here or through those digital means that are on the screen. But, but tonight's giving is, is very important because 100% of it is going to be given away to the Columbus Dream Center. The Columbus Dream Center is an organization in downtown Columbus that serves those who are underprivileged and underserved, and uh, they're making a huge difference. My, my favorite part about the Dream Center is not only are they feeding, clothing, and, and helping people uh, with things, basic needs such as showers and uh, job interviewing skills and, and after-school education and school supplies. I mean, the list is long, but one of the greatest things that they're giving people is the gift of Jesus. Because I think to withhold that is to withhold the greatest gift. Yes, they might be helping you in the moment but to, to feed someone, but to, to give them Jesus is to give them everything they need. And so um, here, here's my prayer, and here's my request. If you came prepared to give tonight, God bless you. If you didn't know anything about it, look, we're not looking for a dollar amount. We're just looking for a participation. We'd love to see everybody participate in tonight's uh, giving so that we can all be a part of what God wants to do. But if you're unfamiliar with the Dream Center, I want to show you this video, and then we're going to wrap up this service with our candlelight. Take a look. What if we could create ministries, and what if we could not just go to church, but what if we could be the church all the time? And what if we could engage and inspire the body of Christ and create this, this movement of, of ministry, this movement of churches, this, this movement of dream centers where when there's a need and we see it, it's a need that is met. 
So our request tonight is this that you ask. God, what would you have me give? What would you have me do? And as he leads you, just respond to it. Now, at this time, if you'll take your candles out, we're going to do our candle lighting ceremony, uh, candle lighting song moment, whatever you call this thing right here. We're going to light candles and sing. And, uh, and here's the thing. I think that, that this part of our service, this is one of my favorite parts, um, because there's just such beauty in this room as it goes from being dark to being lit up. And so as, as we light candles, I'll, I'll light a couple up front here, and these two are going to go out and spread to light you guys. If you'll stand with us. We're going to sing together, but again, what a picture this is. And I, and I would love for you to ask the Lord while, while you're standing, while we're singing, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me tonight? How would you have me respond? What would you have me do? And as he begins to speak, be prepared. Be prepared to respond. Let's sing together. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, Round
prayer for you is that the peace that's in this room right now is a peace that you'll carry with you throughout this holiday season. And that peace is the peace that Jesus came to this earth, that he came to be at the center of your life, to make everything make sense. And I pray that that peace goes with you this season. Tonight, there's a few things I want to remind you about. You can blow your candles out now if you'd like. We'll collect them at the door. But a couple reminders first is that there's no service here tomorrow. This is actually the last service of the year of a special video that's being posted up called Church on the Go on the 29th. Uh, that is the next Sunday. And uh, our first service back here will be January 5th, where we kick off 21 days of prayer and fasting, a brand new series, two services for kids, men. Yeah. Holy cow, there is a whole lot of stuff going on. And uh, something brand new for the year called Third Thursdays, where we're going to invest in you and help you grow in your leadership, in your spiritual leadership next year. I'm super excited about it. But uh, we look forward to having you back here. If you need prayer for anything, there'll be people right here to meet you at this altar as we dismiss. And if you said yes to Jesus, please stop by the Connect Center and make sure that we have an opportunity to celebrate that with you and help you on your next steps. Amen, everybody? Amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. God bless you. We'll see you back here at the start of the year. Woo!